Ben Herman is the CEO of Canvas, the world's leading diversity recruiting platform. He has recently raised $20 million with one of the major backers being Sequoia Capital. Ben is a high school dropout. Not surprisingly, he got a start in the recruiting world. He was very good at it. He recognized patterns within hiring and was offered jobs by several quant funds. He figured it would be better if he just offered his services to them. After this, he recruited for some of the most well-known companies. He values being a great leader and his company is known for its amazing culture. Listen to follow Ben's journey and visit nodegree.com to start yours. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash nodegree. Every contribution is appreciated. This show wouldn't be possible without you. Let's get this show started. Hey, Ben, can you give a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah, for sure. I'm Ben Herman, CEO and co-founder of Jumpstart. Jumpstart. So what is Jumpstart? Jumpstart um, started as a platform to help early career talent find mission-driven companies that match more than just their technical skills. How'd you get the idea from Jumpstart? I dropped out of high school when I was 16, fell into tech recruiting, did that for about four years and started my own company at 21, working with what were the most elite quant funds in New York. And they would hire software engineers and data scientists. You could say it was the era of machine learning. Through that experience, I saw a lot of, you know, should I say unfair processes that didn't give everyone an equal opportunity. And at times people would just be dismissed because they didn't have a great score on their resume or they didn't work at, you know, a top technology company. And as someone who dropped out of high school, after having two kids, I became very passionate about, you know, making a change in the world for everyone, as I believe people deserve an opportunity and they should be able to find a company that they're passionate about or where they can have an impact based on more than the school or company they worked at. And, you know, after spending over a decade recruiting, I felt like I had a lot of experience and a lot of understanding of an industry that really no one had thought deeply about the problem. And it was more about products and platforms that were tools that actually made what I believe the world of recruiting worse. That's where it really came from. So why'd you drop out of high school? I was never someone who was super motivated by education. You know, I was the guy at school who was selling LimeWire mixtapes. Okay. You started early. I remember those days. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Did you have LimeWire Pro? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I remember I downloaded LimeWire Pro by searching LimeWire Pro and LimeWire, and I thought I was a genius. I think I was like in sixth grade. I feel like LimeWire and MSM Messenger were like so so much part of my business. It would like take the request from MSN and then burn the mixtapes for them and sell them for like, you know, five or six pounds. I remember I bought a couple of, uh, my friend sold me one uh, rap album. I still have it. It's like, you know, five bucks per album. It was a common thing. So you, okay, those were the days. Then it became getting truckloads of Abercrombie and Fitch from China. And so, you know, I would always mark it as, as real, but it was really replicas. Back of the truck, right? It was like the back of the truck, the trunk. I remember those days too. I was making really good money and I, I was enjoying what was to me like the experience of, of 
understanding what someone wanted and being able to deliver on that. And that gave me like an understanding of more what life was outside of, you know, education. I took that much further and and just decided that, you know, I didn't want to be someone going to college, studying a certain field to pursue a life or career and something I wasn't sure I would want to do, right? The nearest thing that I thought about I wanted to do was architecture. That's like the thing that I got closest to. I just felt like life experience, you know, really gave me so much more. and, And that's where I wanted to invest my time into really meeting new people, learning more about people and their motivations. And that set me on my journey. So how'd you break into that, the first recruiting role? I think Europe, you know, I obviously grew up in London and I think the UK has has probably been more open to education um, in the sense of like, you don't necessarily need a degree. I think it was always preferred, right? Like on the job descriptions, you see like, you know, preferences is a, a bachelor's degree. Um, but I, I just, you know, when found people online at these different recruiting firms, reached out to them and I, I got interviews. Um, you know, I was able to get good advice on my resume and, you know, really positioned myself as a sales guy who wanted to really just learn. And that was all I was interested in was like, how do I learn and grow and be the best version of myself at that job? I just got interviews and I, I really, you know, from from 10 different companies I spoke with, I really learned you know, through the process, you know, what, what to say and what not to say. And I found, you know, someone who was willing to give me a chance. Right. And, and I remember the connection very well in a standup presentation where, you know, this person really challenged me and he really put me through the ringer and he felt like, you know, I would be resilient enough to do the job. And I guess the rest is history. Was there anything you struggled with on the job? I mean, there's, things I struggle with today Um, and there's things that you'll always struggle with. I think that that's life, but yeah, of course, you know, learning that every person is different. You can't sell the same way. You you have to be more consultative. You have to go in more with questions and, and understand what someone's motivation. And that's the same for management. It's the same for leadership. It's the same for, for really anything. I think, no, no one way is the correct way. Um, and that's what I learned very, very quickly. So you obviously did that for a few years. What made you make the jump to starting your own you know, executive search firm? I gave you the fast track version, obviously, for me that question. But the first 18 months at this company, which was a FTSE 250 company, they were big. I just worked as hard as I could. Like really, it was just about how do I ask as many questions as I can. How do I actually take note and absorb that information in a right way, right? Because you can ask questions, but if you don't utilize the information, it doesn't really matter. And, you know, I, I watched and learned who were the best people, who would get the best scores, who would build the most money, who would get the best awards. And I would sit and I'd watch them. I'd ask them questions. I'd say, hey, can I take you for a beer? And I would sit and I would annoy them and be like, hey, like, can I listen to your calls? And I found some things that worked for some and some things that didn't work for others. And I realized, you know, I got to take this feedback and I got to build it for myself and find what works for me. And so I did that. And then my two managers, 
I guess they really respected the attitude. And when they left, after me being there for 18 months, I was, I was probably 19 at the time, they asked me to join them. And I joined them in starting a firm. So I got to build something with two other folks. You know, and this is after the financial crisis in 0809. You know, you could say I, I really found what was pattern recognition in, in the hiring process and built out a lot of Goldman Sachs's electronic trading business in New York and London. And then from there, just opportunities came in abundances, you know, started to work with Two Sigma Investments, D.E. Shore and Company, and it was a huge success. And, you know, I was offered jobs by different quant funds, and I decided, hey, instead of me joining you, why don't you retain my services? And they were like, love to. And so, you know, they both gave me a quarter of a million dollars, um, to set up shop. And, you know, again, that that was me going on a new journey and doing it all myself. So in addition to working hard and, you know, taking all these things, what are some other qualities that you had that really helped you succeed? I think I, I have a desire to win that can sometimes make people feel uncomfortable, right? Like, I don't like to lose. Like, I want to be great at everything I do. But going further than that, I'm also very self-aware of my strengths and my weaknesses. And we all have them. But I think the, the thing that I really embrace is the weaknesses. Like I want to improve the things I'm not good at. And so I always try and associate myself with people that are better than me. And I always want to learn from them. And I always want to continuously grow as not just a professional, but also as a person. I think that that's really, really important because I believe if you commit and you say that you want to be great at something and you're willing to put the work in and you have the right attitude, you can pretty much do most things. And that's something I truly, truly believe. No, that's an amazing attitude to have. What made you start Jumpstart? It's hard to say that I didn't see a lack of diversity, but it's also hard to say that I didn't see racism. Um, and for many years, you can do something, but there's a point in time where you're like, screw this. Like, I can't sit here and watch this forever, right? And, you know, I think really my main driver came from having my first daughter, Um five years ago and then my second one three and a half years ago. And I think at that point it was like, I really want to do something that is more scalable where I can help more people. And I want to stand with, you know, other folks, right? I am a white guy solving a diversity problem. And that's very obvious to me every single day. But if every single white guy said it's not my problem to solve or I don't have a right to solve it, there will never be change in this world. And I think it's really, really important to recognize like who we are and what we can do. And the reason that I'm here is to make a difference. And how and where we are today is, is different, right? Like where we started, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it was all about helping, you know, students find internships and new grad opportunities. But very quickly, we found we had a solution that was was all about, you know, self-reported data. And, you know, I realized that 
data was the most crucial part of the job that I did for over a decade. And so, you know, we've, we built this platform and, you know, we've helped companies from MongoDB to Airbnb to Twitch to Zoom, you know, to Roblox, it, it, you name it, you know, we, we've helped them and we now just want to help everyone. Um, and for me, it's really about how do you give access to opportunity from both the company side and the candidate side. We've seen for too long the rich just get richer, right? Like Google and Facebook just swallow up all the candidates, but there's amazing companies all around the world and they deserve to have the same level of, of, of access to talent. No, I mean, I think it's it's so important because I, I saw I heard something like Google gets like 50,000 resumes a week or something. And it's just kind of crazy because there are plenty of great companies. And, you know, the other thing is that these companies, the average, it's like two to three years. I think it's like one to three years. Some of them are closer to one year, right? One to two years. And it, it kind of shows that there are other companies that people do want to work at. It's not like they stay there and they stay there forever, right? There's more to life than just working at these companies. And it's it's also sad to kind of see people aspire, you know, put a lot of their credentials or their, a lot of their self-worth of whether or not they make it into companies. Like, I, you know, I know their life dream is to get into Google, but it's like, why? You know, attach the name, the status. So thank you for sort of helping with that. Now, how has recruiting changed over time? Because I know you mentioned something, you mentioned that, some of the tools actually made recruiting worse. Can you go into that? I think there's a level of categorization if you don't want to, you know, call out certain people or companies and, and I'm not that person. So it's more categorization and I apologize for that. But you hear the word AI a lot. If you're making a judgment using an API based on someone's name or picture, their race, their ethnicity, their gender, that to me is illegal. That's, that's not right. And if you're using, you know, other APIs where you can gain public data on people that they don't know is being gathered and utilized, I also think that's really wrong. And for me, candidates need to be able to own their data, right? Both public and their historical application history. These ATSs, these other, you know, CRMs or, or whatever, they help you send sequence messaging to them 10 times over the course of three months. And I understand in some cases, you know, you need that for scale. That means everyone's being spammed. And so it doesn't make sense. But to go further than that, why are we building software for recruiters to reach out to candidates who aren't looking or who aren't interested? When there's millions of people who are unhappy and who want to find a company that they're passionate about. And I give you an analogy to like think about. And if you take one thing, just take this one thing today, which is when you're looking to find a relationship, you don't go out and speak to people who are already in a relationship. Yeah, that's a good example. And so why is it that there's this war of talent that exists it's because people are going out to people who are happy in jobs and trying to get them interested in their opportunities. It doesn't need to be like that. It's just about accessibility. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it be a big issue because a lot of recruiters, they've always said like, oh, the best talent is employed. But, you know, it's like you get fired. All of a sudden you're in this other pool, even though one week ago you're in this different pool. And it's kind of sad because like you said, there's so many people who are, you know, ready to leave 
And just because they signal that they're ready to leave, all of a sudden they're not as attractive. And, you know, thank you for really helping with that. Now, what would you say, what are you most proud of throughout your career? And you could say a couple of things because it's always hard to think of what's the most. And you could bring out during different phases, like earlier in your life, you were proud of this second phase of your life. I think if it makes it easier for you to answer. Yeah, I think if you want to say the first phase of my life was a recruiter and the second phase of my life is a CEO from a, a business perspective, I think being a recruiter, the most proud thing I, I, I could say is that, you know, I, I help positively impact many people's lives who weren't ever aware of an industry or ever aware of the happiness that they could have from a job. And that to me would, would really give me fulfillment on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. I think from my second part of my career is being a CEO of a tech company is difficult, but doing it you know, whilst your daughter passes away um, and doing it when raising you know, tens of millions of dollars with 50-plus staff members it's a whole different journey. And, and the thing I'm most proud of is that I've come to understand what it means to be a great leader. And that's been a journey. It's really not easy to be a CEO or a leader. And I'm most proud of the fact that we have finally built a company and culture that I'm super proud of. And I believe that we will go on to, to ultimately change the world in a very positive way. And that to me makes me proud. Oh, that's, thank you for sharing that. Have you ever felt insecure about not having a degree? Like, has it ever been a hurdle? And how'd you get past it if you had? It's definitely at times made me feel insecure, just like having tattoos does. I'm glad it's more acceptable now because I remember like, 10, 15 years ago, a tattoo was like, you're never getting hired unless you're working for a tattoo shop or something. Or if you, unless you cover it. Yeah, um, unless you cover it. Yeah. I think the, the reason that we focus on hiring people with no egos and building a culture where you can truly bring your whole self to work is because no one should be judged. And at times I felt judged because of I've worn what, I've achieved, meaning not going to school. You know, for me, it, it it's definitely given me insecurities when I felt like someone's judging me on my experiences. But overall, I, I've, I've interacted and engaged with incredibly, you know, successful people who went to, you know, top schools, as they call it, and have studied some of the hardest subjects. And I've never truly felt out of place. So how do you go about studying these hard subjects? Like, do you take courses? What are, what's your go-to way to learn these new things? I just take an interest in learning from those people, right? It's not that because you make a decision not to do something, you are not capable of doing it. It means that you ultimately made a decision or go further, John. I'd like, you might not have that decision, right? You might not have the opportunity to make that decision. And so, you know, I, I just really just think it's never about judging a book by its cover. And I think sometimes it's instead just trying to get to know the person more for who they are as a human and where their drive and where their determination comes from. And usually everyone has a story. It's, it's a much more beautiful thing than talking about like, you know, 
why you chose to go to that school and you know why you didn't get that grade versus that grade it, it's not to me as important now you mentioned a lack of motivation was one of the reasons you dropped out how do you think the education system can be improved so someone like you gets more out of it right someone like you is a little more motivated i feel like that's a billion dollar question um and i don't know if i have the right answer Remember, this is just for you, right? Because everybody has a different answer. What do you think would have been helpful to you? Well, I think my parents were helpful to me. They allowed me to make a decision that I thought was right and that I had to live with, right? And it's somewhat, you know, like managing a leader. You have to allow them to come up with their strategy and their metrics because they're far more likely to own it than to tell them what it is and what they have to do. And so I had space and I, I am grateful for that from my parents, but it's, um, it's probably bringing in people from different occupations, whether that be a nurse, whether that be a software engineer, whether that be, I don't know, a spine surgeon or a product manager or a finance advisor But I feel like if you actually made education more about real life experience, I think people could start to understand how they could impact the world. And then I believe that like someone's career path could be, meaning their education path could be more tailored and customized to their interests. No, I think it's very true because oftentimes it's so abstract, like how is this class going to benefit me when I'm working, right? And now it's tougher, right? You're competing with the a lot of social media and a lot of other interests, right? That it's tough, right? For a lot of kids nowadays. Because, you know, I see this, you know, as a CEO of a tech company, I see how women in tech have been made to feel really small and their voices don't matter. And part of my job in that I work on with, with any underrepresented group that works at Jumpstart is, is how do you empower them to share more of their voice? How do you create the space for them to, to have that seat at their table? And I think that imagine if you want to go in an industry that's largely male dominated, which is changing, right? You can actually have classes on more like leadership and more like, you know, speaking opportunity and and to work on the things that are important to you to be successful in your career. Were you always just self-aware? Because that's something I see. It's like a hit or miss with a lot of tech CEOs. It's like some have it and some are just blind, right? They can't really relate to other people. And if you didn't always, when was the time that you became really self when you started becoming more self-aware? I think self-awareness has grown, but it's come with great mentors and coaches and failures. That's like the truth. It's my darkest times have allowed me to really reflect the most. And, you know, I've, I've gone through many different things in my life, just like everyone else has. It's, it's our journeys. And it's about how much you use those opportunities to grow versus to be like, oh, it happened, like, let's just move on, right? And I think it goes back to, like, the initial part of where you asked me about resilience, growth, and, like, that mindset. But, yeah, I always try to self-reflect, and I always try to look at each day as an opportunity to learn something. 
So you're in the Silicon Valley area, right? And you don't have a college degree. I know that raising money is always tough, right? Regardless of your background. But I do know like, you know, people who have like the Harvard MBA and whatever they go to or undergrad and all this stuff, they have an easier time. What advice would you have for someone without a degree who's looking to raise money? Because they have they have to like really prove themselves, right? Compared to like, oh, this undergrad in Harvard is looking to raise money for some AI tech, right? Why? I'll tell you a story. I was raising money pretty recently. An investor that I know, very experienced, you know, seen many opportunities. He said to me in a conversation about fundraising, Ben, I don't know how to say this in the right way, but I'll just tell you it directly. And I was like, go for it. It was like, if you went to Stanford and you worked at Facebook, you would have raised probably double the amount at double the valuation at probably half the, at half of the like time. And I will forever remember that quote till the day I die, because that is the reason that I have my passion. That is what I live for. It's like, tell me that. That's awesome. I want to be an outsider and I want to prove that you can do it. And that gives me energy. Every day I think about that statement, honestly. And it's wrong, right? Like I can see by your face that you're like, that's... That's not, I mean, that's I know not, of it. Look, I know of it. I've seen it happen. And it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, it's only the product and the team and what they can yeah, do. So I guess my advice is one of two things. One is make sure your co-founder went to Stanford and <laughs> worked on Facebook, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but my, my, my real advice is don't listen to these people. We're all here to show what can be done. And with more people taking that attitude the more we can create change. Remember what I said earlier, I stand with everyone. Like whether someone's black, Asian, transgender, whatever you are, like I stand with you. And, and it's the same, same thing. Like we, we have to ultimately in order to create change, we have to stand up for ourselves and we have to stand up for others. And so I would just say my advice is don't let that bring you down. Instead, allow it to motivate you. Allow it to be something that you can prove wrong. You know, just make sure you have a good story. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's important because the more people yeah. like you who get in, eventually it becomes a norm. Exactly. And then you start, you know, they start looking at you. Okay, it's it's common in Silicon Valley to have a unique background, right? That's, I mean, that subject and that question, I could talk about it for a very long time. It's a whole different world. No, it is. It is definitely a whole different world. Let's say you're 18 again. What are you doing? What would I want to be doing or what would I be doing? Well, what, we want to be relaxing on the beach and chilling and changing the world. But what would you do? You have some dreams. You have some passions. You have a little more knowledge, right? You have a decent amount of knowledge. What are you doing? Like what skills are you picking up? What industries are you targeting? What's like driving you? How are you making the most impact that you can in the shortest amount of time? I always believe you have to find something you're passionate about. You know, whether that's, health and wellness, whether that's food, you know, whether that's uh, technology, whether that's people, you got to find the things that give you energy. And so experimenting is number one. Experimenting allows you to, to ultimately figure out what does and doesn't give me energy. And then after experimenting, you know, I, I'd probably commit 
to trying to be the best. And, and so I, I would want to learn from those people who are the best, you know, and, and understand like what it is that they've done that's enabled them to be that great. But look, life is complex. Life is a journey and it's never straight. It has its ups and downs. And so I think it's like embrace the failures, remember the successes and always try to be moving forward. Let's go back to the earlier question. So what are you most proud of in the recent phase of your life? I'm personally being a dad. Like that's like what I'm most proud of. But my you know personal accomplishments are different to my professional ones, right? And I do really try and separate, you know, like work isn't personal, but bring your whole self to work. But nothing that should be said or done is, is about you as a person. But in my professional life recently, it's been really tough to build a culture that you're proud of and that you want, right? You have a vision of, of a culture, but you also have a vision of a product and a company, right? You know, sometimes they can move in opposite directions they might not always be moving in the same direction. And I feel like now after three years, we have a culture that represents like what we want to be as a company. And so now we move in the same direction and it's a, it's a much more enjoyable, wholesome experience. And I'm excited to come to work every day personally, but I can tell you there were times, even as a CEO where I haven't enjoyed, you know, coming into work. How do you maintain that culture? Because what I've seen with a lot of startups, right? There's a culture when it's small, culture when it's mid-sized, culture after it raises money, and then eventually it gets to a point where it's the CEO is like a mythical figure, right? That's so far removed from a lot of departments. How do you maintain culture? Yeah, I think there's three things. I think the first is values. And that's not just having values that are there on a wall. That's embracing them implementing them and making sure people are rewarded for them. And so commercializing those values is a really, really important thing and something that I wish I would have done earlier. But it's it's definitely like the values are important and they should be true to who you are and what you believe in. The second is people. I mean, people truly are everything. You can have the best strategy. You can have the best mission statement. And you can honestly have, you know, the best culture. But if you don't have the right people, you won't be able to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And so I, I truly believe that people are really everything. And the next is, is expectations, metrics, goals, like everything associated to how do you measure success? Like at the end of the day, we're humans and we strive for greatness when we have something to strive for. And so it's important that people understand what's expected of them, how they can ultimately be more respected um, and ultimately how they grow. And, you know, you, you respect everyone for them and their careers and you, you make sure that you give them an environment and an opportunity that allows them to accomplish not what's just important for the company, but what's also important for them. And we generally follow, you know, a formula that ship, shipmate self. And so we do things what's right for the company. We do what's right for our peers. And then we do what rights for what's right for us. And usually if you do the first two things, the third thing, meaning yourself, always gets what they want. Oh, that's an amazing formula. So you've obviously accomplished a lot 
and you want to do a lot too, right? You have a lot going for your future. What are your future goals? Like, what are the next goals? Our goal is is quite simple. Like, how do we create the largest shared talent pool that enables all companies and all people to have access? And you know, we're we're saying that there doesn't need to be a war of talent. Doesn't need to exist. It's not about AI and choosing if someone's black because of their name, because, you know, that's not the right way to go about it. And it's not that accurate. Instead, it's like, give the power to the people, allow them to self-identify. Let's bring companies together to complete data. And then with that, we can all make better decisions. And so for us, it's about giving companies the understanding of the data and then allowing them to take action on that data. It's quite simple. Just we really, truly want to enable everyone to have more success in their careers. What's something I should have asked you, but I didn't? Probably what's the hardest thing that you've ever gone to, you've ever had to been through, right? Well, like, Yeah, what was that? The good is always the good, but you learn usually more from the hard, right? And we spoke a bit about that. I mean, like it's two different things. I will always forever be grateful to my first manager. They were new as a manager and I accepted that. So I knew they weren't going to be perfect and I didn't expect them to be, but they cared. And so they would always make time to give me feedback, but that feedback was not always easy. It sometimes made me upset. It sometimes hurt my ego, but what was it? It was the truth. You know, I've had many times in my career where where I've been demoralized by feedback and I've felt paralyzed, like, as in like, I don't know what to do. But honestly, when I come through those moments, it's also been the biggest growth I've had in my career. And then, you know, personally, you know, the hardest thing that I've had to deal with that I wouldn't want anyone to deal with is, you know, being a father to two beautiful girls of, you know, three and a half and, you know, five you know, I, we had a, a third kid and she passed away at 13 months old. And that was, you know, the hardest year of mine, my wife, my family's life. Yeah, no, I mean, it's tough. Um, I can't even explain it, right? Thank you for sharing that because it's not always e- easy sharing something like that. Now, let's slowly start to wrap up. What advice would you have for someone, you know, young, without a college degree, who's trying to sort of break into Silicon Valley? Right? Because they have some extra hurdles that other people don't. The first is just don't give up. But that's easier said than done. And so I say that wanting and willing to give like better advice, which is we will start to see more change where more people are given more opportunities. But find the place that's able to take more of a risk. And usually they are smaller companies. They are the companies that aren't getting the same access. Forget working at Google, forget working at Facebook, forget working at Amazon. Instead, try find a company that's more interesting to you and like approach them with authenticity. People appreciate genuine people who want that opportunity. And so I would just say, like, don't try and compete with everyone else. Instead, Try and be different. And it's always for me about trying to be different. Like, let's not try and do the same thing over and over again. Take a different path. The path less traveled is usually sometimes the best path. It's a different path. It's fun. You learn things differently. And it's definitely rewarding. 
I want to thank you for your time, Ben. This was such an amazing episode. I think you shared a lot of unique perspective and I think the listeners will gain a lot of value. Any final words? No, just, you know, we're all unique. We're all different, but it's about time we all celebrated each other for those differences. Well, one more thing before we finish. How does someone support you? How would someone get in contact with you? Yeah, I mean, you, you can add me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to, to speak and help people however I can. I get a lot of joy out of it. Feel free to, to find me on LinkedIn and reach out there. But, you know, I think the most important thing is, is just to remember what you're passionate about and don't allow people to change your perspective too much, right? I think social media and, you know, the world of, you know, TikTok, Instagram and everything else is sometimes more damaging than we sometimes think. And I just say, be true to who you are and, and always stand, you know, there strong and, and don't just give up. All right. No, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. We'll definitely keep in touch and I wish you the best in your company. Thank you. I appreciate you. Have a wonderful day. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com. Yeah, so... You got no degree? No problem. No problem. Any problem? We can solve we them. We got this. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. Growing and knowing. Wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. If you didn't know, now you know. Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree? No problem. Any problem? We can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in a knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree? No problem. Any problem? We can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah.